Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, including uh, Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, Star Wars Rebels, and Moonbeam City and Ruby. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'll be taking you solo, uh, recapping and uh, reviewing the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, Always two there are. Uh, The third episode of the second season of Star Wars Rebels, you know, depending on whether you include the uh, Siege of Lothal movie or not. Uh, Yeah, we cover the shows I mentioned before every week, including Star Wars Rebels at OverlyAnimated.com and uh, our YouTube channel at Overly Animated Podcast, where I know a lot of you are listening. Um, And yeah, so we're going to get right into, or I'm going to get right into the latest episode. Uh, Always do there are starting off uh, probably a pretty strong title here. Uh, nice Yoda quote, pretty representative of the point of the episode with, uh, um, kind of, I guess it's like a dual meaning episode title name with, um, the first thing I think of with always two, you know, it's, it's, uh, the two inquisitors. That's kind of the focal point of this episode and the most notable thing about it. Um, however, you know, when Yoda says this quote, he's referring to a, uh, master and a uh, an apprentice right so that's kind of the episode is kind of framed within the context much much like this entire series of talking of uh, the context of uh, Ezra and Kanan and their uh, you know master apprentice relationship um it's it's not a, it's not a super significant frame like it just happens kind of in the beginning and the end and then Kanan's absent the entire time uh they talk about it a little bit with one of the inquisitors kind of like why are you, you know why are you with him you should be training with me and it's it's mentioned uh and a little bit uh Ezra's Ezra's Jedi abilities kind of tested and that relates to you know his relationship as well um it's not but yeah not the super the strongest uh connecting thread i would say however uh definitely good enough to get a a yoda title in as the (laughs) as the uh title of the episode even if it is from from episode one i think uh so let's yeah so okay always two there are this was a uh uh strong-ish episode of the show it was um not a lot i think not a lot happened and not a lot uh significant plotty happened this is the introduction of these two inquisitors um like i said we talk a little a little bit about ezra and kanan's relationship but not that much uh really this is um kind of a setup episode i assume for where the season is going however it uh it it doesn't do anything super notable as a, as a setup episode in my opinion um it's kind of quiet the whole time i don't think there's many good comedic beats um and uh in terms of character moments uh it's it i guess zeb is the most significant it turns out uh being this episode for zeb's character which is nice because it's it's been a while i think since we've really had a uh you know a zeb centric episode on the show i think he's i've kind of talked about this before i think zeb is one of the more developed characters of the crew of the ghost um in spite that in spite of the fact that he really hasn't been the focal point of an episode since early season one however i think that early season one really uh was really uh into zeb's development for some reason he had a few he was the focal point of a few episodes there and now he's back to the spotlight here at the end of the episode um it's not, I don't know if this episode does much interesting with Zeb's character other than like affirm to himself that he can do things without the crew of the ghost, which is kind of an interesting, um, 
take on Zeb's character, you know, like he's he's the strongest one of the group. You know, he's the tank of the party, if uh, if you will. And uh, it's it's interesting to think of him as having not a lot of confidence in order to get that he could uh, get tasked on on his own and, you know, save save uh, the other members of his crew. Um, so I think that was kind of a nice little nuance to Zeb's character that we had that we hadn't really seen before. Uh, and, and I like, uh, giving, you know, Zeb, who's normally super confident and, um, kind of seems like he's always cocky. And even if he's not, you know, he doesn't think he's the best, you know, he seems generally seems like he's in charge of the situation and is very aware of like that, uh, he's big and intimidating. And I like giving him this kind of nuanced motive nuanced, you know, motivation that he has some doubts about whether he can get things done without the rest of the crew. Um, you know, now that I think about it, this might be a common, th- a connecting theme throughout, uh, season two. It's possible that they're making a conscientious effort to give our character or characters, um, of the, our crew of the ghost subtle flaws in ways that we haven't seen, uh, in in season one of this show, because one of my favorite things about the first two episodes of of season one, again, you know, discounting Siege of Lothal, uh, the two episodes before this one, was that um, Kanan um, kind of uh, didn't didn't appear great for for some of us because some of the episode because he had this prejudice against against clones, um, and I thought this was a really interesting um, nuance to Kanan's character we hadn't seen before in season one he was in season one he was really just this uh this kind of um all can do it all this um holy figure because we're seeing the series through Ezra's eyes to a certain extent so it makes sense that he'd see Kanan as kind of infallible um but here but uh in the last two episodes we saw some major flaws from from Kanan and they're rectified a little bit in this episode he's kind of back to being um you know, with he's interacting with Rex and stuff, and it doesn't seem like he retains that fly. However, Rex says he lacks discipline, so that's another kind of nuance for for Kanan's character. Rex is like, uh, I can teach uh, Ezra dif- d- uh, discipline, and you cannot, and also you're undisciplined, and I'm gonna apparently teach you that through this game of whatever they're playing. Um, so I, I like continuing to, uh, you know, uh, stick some, uh, some forks into the uh, balloon that is a, that's a weird metaphor uh, that is uh Kanan's perfect character. And I think we're doing that here a little bit too for, um, for uh, pop some holes, I guess. No, never mind. Uh, I think we're doing that a little bit here for Zeb too. You know, uh, it's not that Zeb, I feel like Zeb was not the character that it was in most in need of flaws because I think from the audience's perspective, he's, he's flawed. Maybe it's just me, but he's, he's silly. Um, he doesn't, uh, he seems immature. He's always, uh, you know, playing with Ezra and stuff. Um, and, uh, so I feel like he does have that for, for his character, but I also like adding this nuance as well. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised now if, uh, we do this, we hit home for, you know, all of our, all of our characters, uh, all of our major characters on the ghost. Um, but, you know, I think this this kind of brings up my common gripe about this show, um, the way they frame the show. And I think this episode highlights it a little bit. Uh, Zeb and Kanan, I think, were two of the developed characters here in, in our series. Um, and uh, I think that you can kind of introduce flaws for them. And it make and it works and it's cool because you know it's cool. It's uh, it's satisfying 
from a uh, audience intellectual perspective because they've kind of been built up and we know a lot about them and we know about their motivations and what their characters are doing. Um, and I think it works for Ezra too. Ezra is just such a, you know, common, a common uh, force in the show though, that it's, uh, it's here. He has a lot of flaws. We know what his flaws are. We also know, uh, you, you know, what his strengths are, I guess. Um, so you don't, he's, you know, I feel like these are more of the, the side main characters that we're going to like spotlight here. But after Zeb and uh, Kanan, like, where do you go from here? Well, Chopper's not really a character. I mean, he's a little bit of a character, and we do some interesting Chopper things here, which I want to talk about, but uh, in this episode. But um, the next two are Hera and um, Zabine. Sabine, and um, it's uh, I I don't think either are as developed as as uh, Kanan or Zeb. And it's disappointing here because we had this episode features Sabine in a major role. Here we take Ezra, Zeb, and Sabine, and she again, we don't really get much from her. We she's kind of in, in innovative with how she handles situations. She's the one that takes charge with like the engineering type things, but like what else makes up her character? I don't know. What does this episode do for Sabine other than that she's there? I mean, I like that she's there, but uh, it's it's a little bit annoying to continue to feature her without really digging into any sort of depth with her character. They only really did it once in season one with the episode with um, the uh, ambassador or the senator, and uh, we learned that she was that she was in school and. Um, that didn't work for her and stuff like that, but we don't know much about her motivations beyond that. And it's, um, a continuing, I think, struggle for this show. Maybe second only to a bigger problem that Hera has almost no background motivations, character, almost anything. I actually think this might be less of a problem than Sabine because the show doesn't try to do things with Hera. Hera, like, does stuff on the show, but it's not clear that we're supposed to care too much about her. Um, I think we care about how she interacts with other characters, which is important. Um, and this episode did actually do something for her because we had one of the most intimate moments between Hera and Kanan at the end of the episode. They kind of have physical ha- contact in a way which we hadn't really seen before. Um, Hera and Kanan always kind of implied to have the, you know, the the parents of the ghost always kind of implied to have a... Um, I don't know. Is it a, is it implied to have a romantic relationship? I think probably a sexual one at least. And it's not really clear to what extent. We've gotten the impression that Kanan is very affected by Hera before. However, this is kind of one of the moments where they appear most romantically linked. I think, and it's uh, that was an interesting an interesting characterization of the two, especially in the context of uh, you know fear for what's to come, concern for their you know, their, their crew of their ship and, um, what they're going to have to face from the empire in the future. And I think that that was a nice, a nice moment at the end. And I'd love to see more of Kanan and Hera and hopefully use that in a way to develop Hera's character at all. Um, so I like what the season has done character wise for the show motivations with, uh, with, uh, introducing these kind of subtle flaws for the, for the, for our main, main cast. But, um, I think now we're going to run into the wall of um, what do we what do we do when when half of our main cast is not fully developed? How do we introduce flaws into that? I think that they can just develop, and I think that that would work. And I think the show um, this isn't like a major flaw of the show. Maybe it seems like I'm just criticizing criticizing. This is just like my first thought in terms of um, 
Also, this was in the con- was in the context of a major critic, uh, major praising of the show too. Uh, just my first thought of like what the show, what I'd like to see improved from the show right now, and I think you know Sabine and Hera focused episodes, and not just like them in the main roles because we had an episode in season one where they were just like fighting and stuff, and that didn't didn't do what I want. That's not doing what I'm saying. It's um you know not like do what I say. It's not it's not doing what i'm arguing for that's just featuring them in an episode which is good i would like to feature all the characters kind of more equal time um but uh that's not delving into the their uh characters in any sort of depth so i think that's what uh what maybe i'm hoping for for the next couple episodes um and this all in the context kind of of a uh of the different role that this show has in season two so we season one was just so centric on the ghost and uh our main cast and now we're in a whole new world we have a larger rebellion to think about we reference um commander sato here we have ahsoka i don't think ahsoka is actually on screen here however she is referenced several times and um we kind of all the actions of the crew of the ghost is within the larger context of of uh you know of this rebellion now and i'm worried that the spotlight's gonna move worried that the spotlight's gonna move too much away from our our main cast and onto these side characters even ahsoka who seems to be a main character now and i'm not sure is someone who um was kind of thrust into the the series you know from a different series and i'm less inclined to care about her in the context of this series because she hasn't been really developed on uh on the screen of uh the Reb- on star wars rebels um so you know I'm, I'm really worried about the focus moving away from the main crew that goes season one i think had a really intimate feel to it and that was very appealing um you once you once you move away from your core cast and try to expand your world i mean obviously the show is in the context of one of the biggest <laughs> you know mythology f- fictional mythologies of of all time um so it's it's a it's in a unique situation where you have to deal with this at some point you're gonna have to expand beyond your your core unit um but uh even so it's it's still a big danger in terms of ruining your main dynamics of the show it's like if the i mean i think the biggest comparison that i can make of this uh of star wars rebels is to firefly i mean it's very similar context of uh crews of a ship and in space and um you know a lot of the characters have very similar roles to firefly and it's like if we take the main cast of firefly if there you know if there was a season two of firefly um uh, i i would be we would all be very happy but uh if, if there was and then they like introduced uh the the crew there in the context of some larger mythology and you take away these great dynamics between the characters i mean it's just i'm just saying what i said again for this but you know try to imagine that type of thing and i feel like that would be um unsuccessful in a way in which i'm worried that this season does the season um, might get it to a point of that being said it hasn't done that so far you know Ahsoka wasn't even in this episode uh we have the rex was though so rex however took on kind of an auxiliary role it's like you had uh you had characters in season one that were there but it doesn't mean that they were you know soaking up t- precious time spent on other characters in the show so i think rex's function in this episode was fine and in fact i actually think it was very good um like i said bringing subtle development to kanan and kanan's relationship with ezra as i mentioned earlier um so yeah, this is kind of just a hypothetical fear that I don't think the show has actually fallen into. This episode, if it has problems, it's not related to that. Uh, it is maybe related to just featuring Sabina not doing anything with her. Also, Ezra, um, 
you know, it's fine when Ezra doesn't have any, like, major changes or focus or anything like that. You know, it's fine if it's just him learning his Jedi stuff. Um, he has, uh, we learn, we reinforce his loyalty here. Um, it seems like he's developing mentally, like, mental toughness-wise. Like, he resists the interrogation um, pretty, pretty well. And um, that's kind of maybe something new for him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so I think Ezra's function here is fine, and I like Zeb at the end. But um, just overall, I think basically this episode, like the first half before the Inquisitors came, was kind of slow. Um, and the second half was, um, you know, it's not the grade A Inquisitor material we've had from the show before. So let's talk about these Inquisitors, because that's kind of the main thing <laughs> I've babbled for 17 minutes without, uh, you know, discussing our two new characters. So let's talk about... Uh, uh, fifth brother and what seventh sister i don't know if they've had the, they've definitely not had those names within the context of the show so uh that's usually i'm hesitant to venture outside of the realm of you know show canon but i guess that these are their names so let's let's talk about them philip anthony rodriguez as uh the fifth brother um we saw him introduced last week and his uh his voice is i think very good for this role it's very kind of menacing and creepy and um here his function is um not explored that much he kind of he kind of rebels away from the rest of the empire forces that we see there's that very like quick scene of him saying uh you know uh, screw you agent callus i'm gonna go do this on my own and uh you know i don't blame him i don't want <laughs> i don't need to see more agent callus i've talked about this before but uh he seems very independent, which is, I guess, interesting to thrust him into the context of uh, Seventh Sister here, too. Um, I don't have a lot to say about his character. We haven't done much with him. He's just kind of this creepy force, and he seems pretty threatening. He uh, kind of reverses the bombs on um, on Sabine and Zeb, which is kind of one of the biggest you know, maneuvers by the two Inquisitors this week. Um, he seems pretty capable, although they did escape from, from him and, uh, Seventh Sister at the end, and it seems like it was more of his fault. I'm not sure. I need to rewatch that. Like, he goes to deflect the, um, the incoming shots instead of, uh, holding the ship, and I guess, I guess that was needed, though, so I guess you could argue it either way. Um, their dynamic is more notable than anything specifically involving his character, and we'll see more in the future. So let's talk about Seven Sister. This is the first time we see her. She's uh, voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar, which is um, very exciting. But I hear her voice is very distorted in in this character, and that was kind of the most striking thing about her. Uh, I don't know if that was successful or not yet. I need to see more. You know, it was certainly interesting, but... I couldn't help but think for a little bit of the episode while she was talking, oh, this is just, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar speaking into like a Darth Vader, you know, those Darth Vader voice box, voice box mask type things. You know, that's too, like, I don't know if it was that well done. I mean, it was fine. I don't know. I just couldn't help but think that because when you take someone who we know, you know, like a prominent actor, and then you do that type of effect with them, I feel like that's inevitable, that thought. And that pulled me out of the episode a little bit. So to be determined on that but i'm weary uh that being said her character model was very interesting she had a she had her uh her uh you know visor or whatever down for for most of the episode and um i was wondering when she had it down whether her voice was just coming through like a thing in her in her in her helmet uh or mask or whatever it was and um turns out no she just talks like that even when the well even when her face is exposed to us she has um 
I don't know how to describe her. We didn't see her for that long. She's these striking yellow eyes and this um, weird skin color. And um, it's, I'm sure she's a race of something that I'm not aware of because I'm not the most well-versed in, you know, the star the overall Star Wars mythology. But uh, I, I liked what we saw from her. Interesting characterization within the five minutes we saw. She uh, is interested in Ezra. She wants to train Ezra. She also calls Ezra pretty I think I'm pretty sure that happened that was very weird <laughs> like what's going on here uh I I don't know what to make of her she uh kind of bosses uh fifth brother around a little bit and it seems like um at least from my perspective watching that I'm like okay I mean as much as you want to you know try to take the perspective of the villains it was uh, it seemed to me like um, it was more unreasonable for his position than hers. It's like, okay, you're both there. Just work together now. And Fifth Brother just wanted to do whatever on his own. But eventually he does uh, does uh, take his side of the thing and then captures them and then they work together at the end. So they're, it's interesting that they both you know randomly show up. It does Another thing is that they seem both seem subordinate to Jason Isaac's Inquisitor from, from Season 1, which I do not think was established before. He was the Grand Inquisitor, apparently. And... Um, that's an interesting dynamic. So I guess since he was, you know, the big bad, <laughs> the big bad Inquisitor, we need two of them now in order to seem any sort of threatening. Um, you know, so uh, it's I, I, I think both of them, I, I'm optimistic for their functions as the two villains here, especially Seven Sister. I'm not like sold that she's like great, but I'm, I'm thinking a lot about her character. So that's a good sign. You know, I don't know if it's in a positive light, but uh, what a weird, what a weird uh, thing she had going on with Ezra there. Um, I'm not sure what, what's, what to make of that, but, um, but uh, yeah, so they are coming from, from different places. I like that dynamic. It's kind of interesting. Like these, uh, like unwillingly cooperating villains and what what presence they'll take against our uh you know our, our leads um so we'll see more of them in terms of this episode functioning as an introduction to them it was uh all right you know i think it was i mean it did more than jason isaac's introduction i guess his character was never you know super his, his jason isaac's whole thing was that uh you know the voice of the grand inquisitor was his whole thing was that he was menacing um and Actually, this episode does do a lot more to establish these two as people than the Grand Inquisitor, so that's a positive. That being said, I never needed Jason Isaac's Inquisitor to be more than just intimidating because he was so good at it, and that character model is really good, and I loved his function within episodes that he was in. Um, so I, I then to assert to a so to a certain extent, trying to make these two lo- slightly larger characters and presences than than the Grand Inquisitor is um is a risk you know like it's i'm i'm slightly underwhelmed by their function this episode because they tried to have a larger function that's that's a little weird but i think that's that's a fair point um so maybe the pressure's on the show to do more with them now that they have started to do more um and uh i i'm i'm interested to see what they can do with you know a stronger a stronger villain presence with uh you know like Jason Isaacs was never the only one there in in season one. There are a lot of uh, varying Empire presences. So if it's just those two as the main one, I mean, Callus is never going to be the the main force. So we'll see what uh, what other kind of pre- presences. I assume well, we won't see Vader again. I hope. I I mean, not that I don't like Darth Vader, obviously, but I I would I prefer him sitting on the sidelines for this show because it it takes. Uh, 
takes the air out of the sails in terms of what's going on except for vader like he hogs the it's like you can't help but focus on him when he's when he's there um i talked about that more on last week's podcast so yeah i'm, I'm interested to see what we do more with them um what are what other specifics have we i think we talked about the major things i wanted to talk about um this is in the context of getting uh, medical supplies it's the type of you know kind of dumb mission this these show goes on we had the return of uh commander may lu run there that was a nice little call back to season one um if may lu run is a known <laughs> is a known fruit <laughs> uh why are why is this tricking them okay that's you know maybe there's maybe it's a large galaxy i guess so not everyone knows melee runs maybe someone's name could be melee run like mandor apple or something i don't know uh zeb surprisingly competent in this episode like way more than we'd seen before he successfully tricks them very easily um yeah i'm worried a little bit about the two inquisitors being super you know um like not easy to trick i don't know how to phrase that but they they seem fairly manipulated by our main crew, although Ezra can't worm his way out of um out of his interrogation. Um so they know about Ahsoka, that's interesting. Uh they're gonna go tell him we have the thing at the end, they have to report to Commander Sato. Uh they have the new droid. What was that droid called? It was it was uh I don't know if it was new, but it's very prominent here. It seemed kinda threatening. They it easily easily takes out Chopper and stuff. Um there's like always two types of droids on the show, the ones that are just completely not a factor and then ones that are surprisingly can do stuff. They had the one from um, episode one of the season, which seems like the most uh, interesting, interesting type. <coughs> um, so, yeah, I think uh, that about covers most things here. I'm still reading through my show notes, looking for more things I missed. Um, yeah, I think I think that's good. So. Overall, uh, I was, you know, moderately positive on this episode. Actually, I recently got asked on my Tumblr, dylanova.tumblr.com, to, uh, which is a good place to contact me if you want to, like, ask questions about my opinions on stuff, um, to rank the Rebels episodes so far. And this is a thing I do with, with everything. I just make a lot of lists, and especially episode lists. Um, and so I basically I broke the episodes down into three tiers. Very good, good, and decent um like i think the show has no bad episodes so decent is as low as it goes which is the big strength of the show but i also think the show doesn't really have any amazing episodes like there would be a tier above very good and uh which is fine you know there haven't been that many yet uh so you know i have a bunch of uh i have the two movies in the very good tier i have the finale from last from last season i have episode three episode four the land Carosian episode and um the uh, path of the jedi one which is one of my favorites uh you know the one with Yoda, holographic Yoda, I think. And uh, then we have good and decent. I think this one would be low on good, right? I, th- I think that's where I would put it. Uh, interestingly, I have Relics of the Old Republic as at number 10 in my good tier. Uh, I guess this is worse than the last episode. Yeah, it has to be because it didn't do a lot to excite me, whereas last episode I had a lot of praise for. So I guess I'll put this slightly below Relics of the Old Republic. You know, we're not off to any, we don't have any uh, episodes that have stood out to me so far this season. However, um, I think it's a pretty solid start, and I'm very interested to see where they go with the Inquisitors, and I like the direction we've gone with the characters here. So uh, looking forward to next week's, I guess I can briefly mention next week's episode of what we've got. There's a preview at the end. 
and um, with the, that weird-looking guy from the Lando Carrozine episode, and then there's some new pirate, which, if it's a returning character, I did not recognize him. Um, they're returning from the universe. Brothers of the Broken Horn will be airing on November 4th, and I'll cover it that night, as usual. Um, at some point, <laughs> I will have a co-host, and it won't be just me, but may, maybe not next week. <laughs> maybe eventually. There are 22 episodes of the season, apparently, so there's a lot to go. So uh, let me know what you thought of this podcast and this episode. If you're watching on the YouTube video, uh, you can leave a comment, and I will respond to it and see it. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering why there's so many views on, hopefully on this one, there was on the last one, it's because I tagged it Star Wars, and apparently that just instantly got me way more views than the rest of the podcast. So, uh, I mean, it's not a dishonest tag, this is a Star Wars, uh, tagged thing, you know? So, uh, let's, so yeah, let me know any feedback or my social media links, um, which I gave out Tumblr before, the rest are on overlyanimated.com. I've been writing some blogs. You can check those out there, too, on general animation. We cover uh, five regular animation shows right now, in addition to, um, not for a while, but uh, movies and animated movies and stuff like that. So check it out there. Uh, you can support us at uh, patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Uh, thanks to our current patrons, Shayna, Mitch Cordell, Beatriz, and Nate, Andy, and Jamie, a.k.a. Hayna, Fever, Mitch Cordell, University, Beatrix Exchange, Buzz Lightyear, and Mailman. And I really appreciate all of your support on our patreon and you can check that out there so uh yeah we'll be i'll be back next week covering next week's episode let me know what you thought um and uh yeah i guess that's that's good so thanks for listening guys and i'll see you next time bye